Yeah. I think the Lord's really dealing with our hearts this morning. And I just feel that thing of submitting your heart, as Nikki shared, uh, it just really ties up with what we want to do this morning. Um, Kian, don't you want to come share that word you felt this morning before? I think it'll just tie up nicely. Um, so this morning I was um, praying. Um, I was, woke up, okay. I was praying and I just felt God showing me this picture of a person with a suit on and some person with, ach, with a heart with a suit on. And I just felt how the person with a suit on, his heart doesn't look. He's just playing the part and coming to church and just wants to look okay. And then there's someone whose heart is okay with a suit on. So we might look good on the outside, but God's dealing with the heart. Huh? And um, we can deceive others around us and ourselves. And uh, this morning, in fact, that's what I felt the Lord laying on my heart. It's funny how it's just tying up. I'm not trying to weave it. I don't even have to weave this message. It just ties up, you know. So I want to start by just reading Scripture and then from there take it. So Alicia, if you can just put that first Scripture that I gave you, Luke 22. Yeah, it says, For I say to you, I will not drink of the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God comes. And he took bread and gave thanks and broke it and gave it to them, saying, This is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Likewise, he also took the cup after the supper, saying, This is the cup of a new covenant in my blood, which is shed for you. And uh, just as I was preparing my heart um, this morning for the communion table, one of the things I think we're always challenged with is that when we do this, I don't want you to call it, it's not a ceremony, but when we do this, it's in danger of becoming ritualistic uh, and becoming formulative or, you know what I mean? It's, it's just one of those things that you can, you can do repetitively and consistently. And when you do that, it can lose its significance and it can lose its power, really. And, uh, and so I'm, I'm glad, in fact, I'm glad the Holy Spirit's here <laughs> because he's the one that breaks that uh, for us. And um, and even me, as I share this morning, I'm really going to need the help of the Holy Spirit because this is something I feel that we need to get deeper in as we, as we break bread this morning. And if you're a visitor, don't worry if you feel, if you don't have, uh, we do have extra um, juice and, and, and I think wafers that we've got there that we're going to break bread together this morning because it's something that Jesus has given us uh, to do. And he said, do this often in remembrance of me. And I don't know if we do it enough. But it's, I know as, as a leadership, we're always fearful of that because, because in, re, in its repetitive nature, it has the ability to become insignificant. And so, but we should always obey the command of Jesus, even, even though that might be there. As, as leaders, we've got to step up to the plate and say, okay. And, and that's what I'm doing this morning, is actually asking two questions. And I think that will be the very thing that will shake us as we do break bread together. And that is, what... And the why we do it. And, uh, and I think it will bring the significance and the importance of that. And so, like I said, with the help of the Holy Spirit, I really felt that God wants to bring its relevance. And, 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 and I also believe that He wants to bring its application. Its relevance and its application. Those two things are very important when we break bread together. Because, you know, I, I've just been meditating on my heart. You know, why, 
you know, some of the aspects that we might think of the communion table, it's quite a big range of things to talk about when we talk about the blood of Christ, when we talk about his body that was broken. I mean, the communion table is quite a vast subject, isn't it? I mean, you can talk about forgiveness, you can talk about the power of the blood. I remember Chad shared that not too long ago about the blood of Christ. You can talk about the body of Christ. And so there's so many aspects, and I felt this morning the Lord just lead me as I was preparing as um, the communion table is partly given to us, and I say partly given to us with an understanding that it's to prevent us from deception. You hear what I'm saying? It's to prevent us from being deceived. And because I often wonder, you know, it's one of those things, you often wonder why didn't Jesus say to the disciples, I want you to record this in the book, Matthew, Please, as, as every other thing that's recorded in the book, my miracles, this, this, this. Why didn't he just say, just record this, I'm going to break my bread, you know, this body signifies who I am, the blood that was shed. Why couldn't, we just, why couldn't he just record that and that's enough? And here I am to teach it to you. Why, why did Jesus ask us to actually go and physically break bread together? You ever wondered that? Why couldn't it just be one of those things recorded and we, we can teach on it? Isn't that enough? Obviously not. There's something that Jesus wants us to know about this that carries something more significant than we actually think. So, where am I? As I was just really, really preparing this, um, you know, one of the things of, to, to me for observance is that, you know, I often think of the days of Jesus, and, we, and I think we sometimes misunderstand this, is the people of the Old Testament, they understood the requirements of bringing a sacrificial lamb to the altar. They knew what it took. It, it was quite a hard work. I mean, you had to prepare this lamb for a whole year. And uh, not only preparation, imagine being just, just close to the Passover when you're about to take it and some wolf gets hold of your, your lamb. I mean, that's my whole dependence of the years covering of all my sin and my family is now dependent on this thing and now it's been taken up by a wolf. You know, what do you do? I, I, I just don't think we understand what these guys might, maybe had to deal with. You know, or, or something happened, it died of a disease, or something, and it's got to be a pure and spotless lamb. So there's got to be something. I mean, and not only that, but it, let's say the guy stayed far away. He would, he would have to travel all the way to Jerusalem to go and bring that lamb on the altar. And I imagine if, if you get to the priest and the priest looks, uh, that lamb is not going to cut it here. You know, sorry, you have to find something. But we do have a special We've got some lambs in the temple. <laughs> you know, we laugh, but we don't know. There was extortion by the priests happening in that day. Did you know that? And I can understand the, my thing. I have a little saw on the ear, and the priest would it actually be, would be acceptable to the Lord. But I think, no, you know what? We've got a lamb, and you've got to buy this one, you know? And so why do you think Jesus, when he overturned the tables, it wasn't, it wasn't just the fact that they were buying and selling. It wasn't just like a... A decent trade happening here. It was because there was extortion happening there. He overturned the table and he said this, the house, this house will be a house of prayer. You've made it into a what? A den of thieves because of extortion. Do you understand? So, but they, but so Jesus, so he came and, he, and, he, and, he, and the reason he's bringing this to us is because he wants us to realize that he's not just going to take away the sacrificial system in the sense that, okay, he's taking it away of the old covenant, but he's, he's not just going to leave us with nothing. And so he gives to his disciples, he begins to explain something. He says, you know, that lamb signified me. When you, when you, when you slay it, it's what I'm going to do on the cross. 
this is going to symbolize me. And as you begin to see what happened there, know that I want you to partake here now in, in your participation in breaking bread together. And so Jesus didn't leave it just that we don't do anything. He left us so we could understand something. And I want to say it's very important that we, we understand this because I think sometimes when something's absent, we can lose its significance and its appreciation in, in that. Because, I mean, you think of it, oh, we don't have to do anything. It's just, anyway, thank you, Jesus, for your blood, and we can move on. But I feel God wants to move us to a seriousness of this moment, to the depth of it, to the power of it, to the revelation of it. And uh, I love it because I, I begin to understand that as Jesus, in a sense, gives us senses, he actually makes it a physical thing. I want you to physically drink of the cup and physically eat of the bread. So we begin to taste. We begin to experience. And so what you think of it, okay, before COVID, this is how we did it. <laughs> but there was a taking of bread and there was a breaking of that bread and giving it to your brother. Now, when we do that, and I believe this is, was behind the, the heart of Jesus, so when you do that, when you break bread together, know that you're breaking of me. And so when I do that, I, it's like taking me back to the remembrance, actually, Jesus, I broke your body. I was guilty. I broke you. It was my sin that broke. And so there's a breaking, there's an experience, and it's like, as I see this body, I can see Christ's body. It was my fault. But thank you, God, that this is the thing that I can do is to remember that your body was shed for me and it was broken for me. And as I, as I begin to experience the forgiveness and the love that Christ had, that he gave himself for me, and I give it to my brother, and I say, yeah, you partake, and I break it and I give it to him. It's like the forgiveness I'm experiencing, I want you to forgive. I want you to experience it because it sets you free. It makes you realize my conscience, I'm free before the Lord. And then as I drink of the blood, I, I, I get to experience that, that. You know, this is the blood that heals me. It sets me free. It's the blood that was shed for me that no longer is it a requirement that I've got to do something. But Christ's blood was sufficient. And I begin to experience this forgiveness. I want my brother to experience it. I want him to know. And so when we do that together in fellowship, it's like something of just the experience of the Lord. That we come together and we, we actually eat and taste and see that the Lord is good. And I feel just in that, there's a spiritual moment that God takes. He takes this moment, and He fuses it with a physical experience. He takes a spiritual moment, and He fuses it with a physical experience that we can know Him. It's almost like He makes Himself tangible in this moment. And God wants us to experience Him, church. He wants us to know Him and to experience Him more. And so, just in that, just in making it more experientially, I, I felt just the Lord lead me to ask this question. Have you been cleansed by the blood of Christ recently? And I say the word recently very intentionally. And before you can answer this rhetorical question that I've asked, I know, I know how we think. I know a lot of you are going to look back in the recesses of your mind and say, well, yes, I've repented to the Lord. Yes, I've received Him as Lord and Savior. Yes, I've accepted Him into my life. 
And so, yes, but I want to ask you, have you received the blood of Christ recently? And I know, I know how some of you are thinking, and you think, well, was that not enough? Yes, it was. But yet it wasn't. And I want to explain something. I'm going to be very careful because I know where I'm treading here. So if, you, if you're a theologian, please just bear with me. If you guys knows the word, I'm not going to nullify what Christ has done on the cross, but I want us to understand something a little bit deeper this morning regarding deception and how it comes in. And uh, so I believe personally when you receive Jesus as Lord and Savior, there is a repentant moment. There is a moment that as I receive him, but this moment is the beginning of what he's called me to. This is like the gunshot going off in the race. This is like you, me leaving the starting blocks and to run what God has into the direction that he's called me to. This is where the great crowd of witness begins to shout and says, Go, Benny. <laughs> this is the beginning point. This is not the end. Okay, and I want us to understand this because I think as we begin to see it, because I know, I know a lot of you are thinking, I, I mean, we can go to Romans uh, 10 verses 9, Alicia. I know this is going to be at the back of most of your, your heads. This is that if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. So we all believe there is a moment to that. Keep it there. Keep that scripture there. So verse 9 says, if you believe in your heart, you confess Jesus, Lord, and Savior, you will be saved. Okay? But let's go to verse 10 because it takes us a little bit further in that. Then it says, for with the heart one believes unto righteousness. I want you to stress that word, unto righteousness. And with the mouth, confession is made unto salvation. Now, why am I stressing this? It's because I believe verse 9 is kind of the starting point from where we go. And verse 10 takes us to, to an understanding. Now, this is the continuation of what you've started. So there was a momentary confession I made, Jesus, you Lord, to a lifestyle of confessions. Because, yes, Jesus has imputed righteousness to me through the cross. He gave that word imputed means he put it in me. But now that doesn't mean everything I do is righteous because I can still do things that are sinful. Okay, but what has Jesus done when he imputed righteous? It's like he gave me a new operating system. It's like some of you guys, you're into your apples. And now all of a sudden you're having to work Android. You know, that's that's the real operating system. That's the one that works. <laughs> and now everything is you know, the old ways. Sometimes we default to what we know, to the old operating. Oh, that's how I did it. Apple, you know, that's how. No, but now I've been given a righteous living. It's like I put righteous in you. So now I've got to live righteously. Well, what does that mean? Well, it's contrary to the, to the world. And yes, sometimes there's that default. I keep doing the world. It's like I've got to revert back. Okay, I've got to repent because that's the way I did it when I was of the world. Now I'm doing it like this because this is how God wants me to do it. I can see how he's called me to do it. And so that's why God wouldn't say, it says, be holy. He wouldn't say, be holy for I'm holy if, if you could not be holy. You know what I'm saying? You, in other words, you, you, there's times that you cannot be holy. So I know that people, there's a teaching that, oh no, when you're saved and you're giving your life to the Lord, that's it. everything you do is righteous. No, rubbish. That contradicts scripture. You can live unholy. Otherwise, Jesus wouldn't command it. The Lord wouldn't command it. 
And the reason I'm saying this is, is, is really, have you been cleansed by the blood present tense? That's really what I want to stipulate this morning. And I want to go back to the communion table. But I want to go back, not to the place where we just remember the past of what Jesus has done. But the communion tables take me to the present of what he's taking me into for the future. There's a present reality he's wanting me to see here and now. And that's why he says, do this often in remembrance of me. It's like, do it now. Do it, do it today. Because it's going to bring you to a point where you, I want you to understand something. And I, I remember, I don't know about you guys, but I remember when I was a young teenager, you know, whenever they said communion, it's time for communion, all of a sudden my posture changed. I don't know if you had it. It's like all of a sudden you've got to look, you've got to look morbid and you've got to look down and you're sad now because Jesus died. You know, that's, I'm just saying, as a teenager, that's how I articulated that. That's how it was expressed to me. And it's, I'm not saying it's wrong. Hear, hear what I'm saying? But that wasn't all that there was to it. I had, a, I had to have a posture that understood, well, what does that mean now? Not just looking back at what Christ's done, but what is he doing in me now? What is he calling me to? What's my future? How do, how do I play this thing out? Is this just breaking bread together and saying, thank you, Jesus, goodbye, and we go off? No, it's like there's a moment of anticipating. There's a moment of, of hearing the Lord. And, you know, we can so quickly wear off. We can so quickly just move off what God has for us. And I know a lot of you say, well, if I've been saved by, then it's fine. God's got me. You know, it doesn't matter where I go, God's going to follow me. You know, it's almost like the other way around. But I want to say, if that's your theology, I don't believe that. I see it in the Bible, and you can see it various places. But I can even bring up, uh, what's it, uh, Galatians 3, where Paul talks to the church. And he starts with them, and he says to them, you know, you started in the faith. In other words, you, you made the repentant decision, you, the call. You, you received Jesus as Lord. You, you started running in the faith. So they were people of the faith. They were running in the faith. And then he says, but, but then all of a sudden something happened and you started running in the flesh. What is that? You know, who bewitched you? Who derailed you from what your core was? Have you ever thought about that? Don't ever think because you made a moment decision a few years back, or 20 years back, or 30, that my course is still going to be right. No, you've still got to check your heart, as Nikki was sharing. Checking your heart. Maybe I should quickly go there. Uh, let's go to 1 Corinthians 11, 27. Therefore, excuse me. Therefore, whoever eats this bread or drinks this cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of the body and the blood of the Lord. But let a man examine himself. And so let him eat of the bread and drink of the cup. For he who eats and drinks in an unworthy manner, eats and drinks judgment to himself. Listen to that. Not discerning the Lord's body. For this reason, many are weak and sick among you, and many sleep. Now that word sleep means some have died. For if we would judge ourselves, we would not be judged. But when we are judged, we are chastened by the Lord, that we may be, not be condemned with the world. You see, God wants us to... To me, the communion table is like God taking us to the place where we begin to internalize. God, where's my heart? Where am I positioned? In fact, wasn't that the gist of what was happening this morning? Like God said, check your heart. 
Where's your heart? Your heart's deceitful. How do I know that? Well, I can't know that through my feelings. I feel good, Benny. So it must, I must be, it must be the Lord. I feel good. I mean, a lot of people throw that one at us. I, you know, it's ever since I made that decision uh, that we asked them not to make, it's like, I feel free. <laughs> like, really, that's the enemy. He can make you free too. He can make you feel, because really, face it, we're a servant of Christ. And there's commitment. And like Chad was saying, there's, there's certain things I've got to beat myself into submission for. Because I know that. But in that, there's freedom. That's the funny thing about the Lord. It's not a bondage. You know, you might think you're free when you're in the enemy's clutches, but actually you're in bondage. And so for me, the table is something that God uses to keep our checks and balances with our heart. To check ourselves. Check our hearts. Where is it? This is why we have, I believe this is partly the reason why God instituted the Lord's table. To check our hearts. That scripture where it says, keep short accounts with one another. It's important. We have to church. We have to keep short accounts. Because accounts build up. And like I said, when, we, when you take of that communion table, there's a moment that you, 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 you've got to understand the forgiveness of Christ, but then you've got to express it. And so that moment brings me back, yes, Jesus, you forgave me, but now this thing that I've got against my brother, I've got to work it out because you told me to forgive the way you've forgiven me. And so I've got to, I've got to bring that balance. I've got to say, I'm sorry, this thing that I've held against you, I, I'm, I'm bringing it because I, I, I just remembered what Christ has done for me. And I want you to know that I forgive you. That is our responsibility. And Paul's saying if you do it in an unworthy manner, you... If you don't do that, you're going to heap judgment on yourself. And you might even die. Pretty serious stuff, eh? Have you ever thought about that? Sometimes we, we look at people, oh, that person died of COVID. How do you know it wasn't the Lord? <laughs> Through something like, I don't want to, I'm not, Scripture says that. I know some of you think, well, God doesn't do that. He's a merciful God. He loves us. No. That Scripture says some of you have died. From, it's not the, it's our, and the way we take of the blood. It's the way we eat of, of what he's given us. And so our hearts are deceitful. And you know, that's from Jeremiah 79, that the heart is deceitful. I've had, to, I've, I've had to obviously counsel people many times, and I'm sure some of you even sitting here have done the same. You know that when someone makes a decision, it's not necessarily because of a theological, all of a sudden, wow, that's a new teaching, I'm just going to follow it and it sounds good and I'm going to apply it. If you've been walking with the Lord for a long time. The enemy deceives us like this. He first moves our heart. He, that the inclination is, hmm, I like that. I want that. And so we, we, we begin to drift off. And we begin to move off because we're pursuing something. But our theology will follow what we're pursuing. So you'll even bend your theology to suit where your heart is. You get that? Your theology will follow your heart. It's not the other way around. And that's why, Nikki, I, f I really feel prophetically what you're saying. It's like, put your heart behind you. Put your heart in submission because, man, that thing is deceitful. It can lead you astray. And I know all these Walt Disney pictures always follow your heart. Really, if everybody in the world does that, imagine what chaos there'd be. Thank goodness for laws and governments. Because people do follow their hearts, and their hearts are deceitful. 
And you know, church, I, I really feel God is calling us to a place of that thing of submission and, and just submitting our hearts to Him once again. And I feel there's some of us sitting here, and this is how serious it is to the Lord. I, I, I had this picture as I was preparing. It's almost like, God, what are you doing? And I almost felt like if the communion table was here, feel the Lord wants to hold some of us from getting there. Like He wants to hold you back. Don't go. Don't go. Because you don't know what you're facing by receiving it. Yes, if our hearts are pure before Him and, and receptive to what He's doing, then by all means go and go and grab what He's got because you understand the revelation of God is in you. The Spirit has made Himself known to you. But there's some of you who want to come and I just feel God wants to hold you back. It's like you're playing Russian roulette at the, at the communion table. Even preparing, I had to prepare my heart for this because it's funny that Chad mentioned, you know, you can have an issue with your wife. Like even me, I mean, yesterday I had a little issue. It wasn't a big argument, but it's like, God, when I'm preparing something so heavy, I've got to make sure everything in me is right because I can be deceived. Are you guys okay? Am I right? I just... And you know, the reason I say that the communion table is there to help us from being deceived, I was reading 1 John 1, and the whole letter of 1 John 1 really is to help us from being deceived, from deception. And I want to quickly go to 1 John. I'm gonna, this is going to be my, maybe my closing scripture. And uh, I'm just going to, from that, try and land this. It says, this is the message which you have heard from him and declares to you that God is light, and in Him is no darkness at all. If we say that we have fellowship with Him and walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light as He is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. Hear that? Like Chad said, you know, often people are stray, and you find that as they stray, they, they actually What's that scripture? Can you read that scripture again? Because I really feel it ties in. Sorry, I know I put you off guard. But I really feel that scripture ties up with this very thing. Sorry, Alicia. So, so as, we, as we have fellowship, okay, we got it, good. Whoever isolates himself, see how this is contrary to the other one. If you're of the light, you're of fellowship. Here, whoever isolates himself seeks his own desires. He breaks out against all sound judgment. A fool takes no pleasure in understanding, but only if in expressing his opinion. When wickedness comes, content comes also. And with dishonest comes disgrace. The words of man's mouth are deep waters. The fountain of wisdom is the building brook. I love that. That really ties up so much with this. And you can go back to that scripture that I had there, Alicia. Sorry. Okay, there. So would you say that contradicts this scripture? But if we walk in the light as he is in light, we have fellowship with one another. You see how that scripture completely the flip side to it. And then it says this. uh, If we have fellowship with one another... And, now, now this is the part I want us to know, because I think sometimes we think the cleansing of the blood is at that moment of receiving Jesus. But now it's saying now, in our fellowship, because we are fellowshipping with one another, 
And the blood of Jesus Christ, His Son, cleanses us from all sin. And if we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. I want to say every single one of us should be in that place that we're comfortable with confessing our sins. That's what that scripture is saying. Don't come here with a false preacher. I don't want people to know who I am and what I am. No, just, just get over yourself. That's the first decision. We just got to, I, I want to deal with this issue. I don't want to cover it up anymore because I want to be free of that thing. And so I'm going to expose myself. I'm willing to walk with my brother. How's he going to disciple if he doesn't know those issues in me? And because I am of the light, I won't say that there is no sin in my life. Because I'm av- you know, of the light, I'm not going to try and cover things up. I'm, I'm, I'm human. <laughs> I still blow it. Yes, I have the imputed righteousness of Christ in me, but I still mess up. But now, now, you guys help me. That's what we're saying. And then it says, in that fellowship, in that discipleship moment, the blood of Jesus is cleansing us. Like, I'm cleansing you. You're repenting. And, you know, God doesn't ask me to repent to Chad because Chad's got the power to forgive or, or to cleanse me. It's because he has. And it's because something he's done. Yeah, there's no holy water that he has. It's, no. The Catholics have got something right. They, you know, that thing going to the confession regularly, it's, a, it's scriptural, but... Not to the priests. We are the priests. You know, it's to one another. And so he cleanses us from all unrighteousness. And I love this because as I'm reading this, the scripture, I'm realizing how John just grounds this communion table and he makes it a reality for us. This is how you live in covenant. This is how. Breaking, this is what breaking bread means. This is what drinking of the blood means. It means this, this fellowship. And the blood of Christ washes us. I love that, just that thing of God's coming back to a bride without spot or blemish. That's us, church. But what determines us without spot or blemish? Is it the good works that we're doing? Feeding the poor? Is it the ministries? Is it the giftings? It's this relationship, it's this discipling one another, this confession, this forgiveness, this loving, this being discipled and discipling. That's what cleanses us. That's how Christ comes over his church and washes us. And so I don't know about you, but I want that. And so in closing this morning, well, not closing, we're going to be breaking bread together, but I just feel just if we can take a moment before we actually take the bread, let's just take a moment before the Lord. And I want us to pray because I, I want to pray maybe just loud and then I want you to break. Should we break it in families? What do you feel?